morning, everybody. How are you all doing this beautiful Sunday morning? Praise God. We just want to thank God for you. We want to thank God for your families. We want to thank God for this moment and this time that we are here. And uh, God is just good. God is awesome. Father, this morning we just want to thank you. We want to bless you for who you are, what you are, and what you mean to us. Father, we just want to thank you because this morning you allow your spirit to help us to expressly express your word. We thank you because your word will go out with power, with faith, with grace, and it will build us up and help us to be able to be those people that you want us to be. We'll bless you and we'll give you praise. In the name of Jesus we have prayed. Amen. All right, good morning again, everybody. If you don't know me, uh, my name again is Larry Omonai. I just want to welcome you. We are World Outreach uh, Church for All Nations, and we are broadcasting from this, our uh, campus here on 1294 Brazilton Highway, Lawrenceville, Georgia. All right, if you have been following what we have been teaching and what we have been talking about um, for some time now, we have been talking about financial freedom. And as I try to... Uh, I, as I try to teach this morning, I don't want to uh, rehash what uh, pastor has said. I will try and just uh, argument or buttress some of the things that he has said so far, all right? But um, I want us to pay attention to these three things because as we uh, taught about giving and all of that, I just want us to know that when we're talking about financial freedom, we're talking about a broad spectrum of things. And our outlook is going to come from scriptures, right? And uh, those things that we have uh, learned before. All right, when we're talking about financial freedom, there are three things that we are looking at, or there are three buckets, what I call three buckets of financial freedom. What do you need to do? What do we need to do to get into uh, financial freedom? Uh, the first bucket that we have treated all this while is, can we all say this? Can we say it? Yes. All right. The first bucket we are, we're, that, we, we, uh, that we need to know when we're talking about financial freedom is the bucket of giving. All right? That's the first bucket. All right? The second bucket of financial freedom that we need to know as Christians is, can anybody take a guess? You say. Save, save, as in savings. All of you have savings accounts and all of that. You have bank accounts, you have saves, you have all of that, right? All right, and the third bucket, this looks small, is what? Huh? Spending. Spending, oh my God. Spend. I know some people are happy now because I said you can spend money. Am I correct? <laughs> Yeah, nobody needs to be taught. You need to be taught how to manage your money, but you don't need to be taught how to spend it, right? Everybody has a natural anointing to spend. Am I correct? <laughs> so these are the three buckets of financial management as Christians, because we're taking it from a Christian perspective, right? Now, if you go to the street, there are unbelievers who are on Wall Street and all of that. When they're talking about financial management, they never talk about This is not a consideration for them, all right? But for us as Christians, as Bible followers, as not just Bible followers, but as followers of Jesus Christ. We are Christ followers, right? Now, we, you cannot talk about financial management without talking about giving. And I'll give you the reason. The reason why is 
our purpose for financial management, for financial freedom and financial, you know, uh, uh, deliverance or whatever you want to talk, whatever you want to call it. The main purpose for us having money is different from the purpose for which those outside have money. So we cannot only limit our understanding of financial management to how they do it outside. We have to include God's way. And when we look at it from God's way, I dare to tell you that the crown prince of financial management when it comes to Christian way of doing things is giving. And I'll explain it. And the reason is this. The reason why we have money in the first place, I think we have done that. You can go back and look, and look at why we, have, why, we, why we need money, why we work with money, why we, why we do all of that, right? You can look at it. You can go back and listen to those messages. The reason why it is so important is number one, right? Giving doesn't have to do about you. Saving has to do about you. Spending has to do about you. But giving doesn't have to do anything with you, all right? Primarily, it has to do with God and others. So that's why you have to put this as a consideration when you are thinking of managing your money. You have to do that. In other words, from God's perspective, giving is a crown prince of financial management. Let me use an analogy, a football analogy, right? You know, I, I, I don't understand it very well. I had to ask people. <laughs> Let's say our giving spectrum or our giving, you know, uh, financial freedom, our management, financial management. Let's say, you know, it's uh, analogous to a football game and all of that. Okay. When you get there, when you, when, you, when, you, when you want to play, who is one of the most important people on the field? The quarterback. That's what your giving is. Your giving is like the quarterback in a football game because the, the, uh, uh, the, the quarterback dictates the pace and the temperature of the game. In the same way, if you are thinking of managing your finances from a godly perspective, you have to look at your giving as what dictates the pace and the temperature of your financial uh, your financial plans and whatever it is. All right? Again, I'm going to repeat. Why is that so important? Because you're giving everything about your money, all the aspects of your money. What is most important is your giving because it, first of all, has to do with God and with others. And that's why Paul says, Paul calls it, he says, uh, you know, about, uh, about our giving. He talks about our giving that we should give liberally. It is a sacrifice that comes to God and all of that. Now, I'm not going to do this. There's some things I really quickly want to talk about, but uh, I will go into details of these ones. I, I don't want to beat this one because Pastor Bank has already done all of this. So this is what I want to talk about. But again, I'll do an intro today and then we'll complete it next week. All right? So now, we've talked about our giving being our, uh, our like the quarterback, right? Yes. All right. However, in your football game, right, in a football game or in a soccer game where you have uh, at the midfielder, this, this is like a midfielder, you know, in the engine room who dictates the pace and the temperature of the game and all of that, right? Okay, now, 
However, the quarterback alone does not win the game. Right? The quarterback alone does not win the game. Now, we have some quarterbacks who are, you know, who can do, who can run and do all of that and do touchdowns and all of that. But if you depend on your quarterback alone to help you win the game, you're in trouble. All right? And that is where you need your running back. You need your tight end and all the other guys to help you get toward the touchline and to win the game. So what we're saying is that there's a combination of things that helps you to properly and adequately manage your finances that leads you to what? Financial freedom. Amen. All right? Are we still together? Yes. All right. However, before we go into the details of this, I want to bring an introduction to you. Can you go with me to um, the book of, uh, yeah, go with me to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 6. Let me tell you something about the book of Timothy, because I like, you know, when, when I interpret scripture, I like to interpret it from context, right? We have to do it from context, and I think one of the problems that we have as Christians is that we forget context when it comes to interpreting scriptures, all right? And why is this uh, essay or this uh, test or um, this episode by Timothy so important to our Christian work in finances, all right? The reason why it is so important is this. Uh, what's his name? Paul sent Timothy to the Ephesian church to go and bring about correction to the things that have been wrong there. The Ephesian church was one of the most powerful churches of missionary work of Paul that he ever did. But along the way, something happened. They went off the rail. And as they went off the rail, Paul sent Timothy back there to go and correct everything that had gone wrong. Are we together? Now, this letter was not written directly to the church. It was written for, to Timothy, for Timothy to use as a blueprint on how to correct everything that has gone wrong in the church of Ephesus. All right? And Timothy dealt, I mean, Paul dealt with all the things that were wrong in that church topically, right? He talked about, uh, he talked about issues that he had with leadership. He talked about issues that he had with, uh, with uh, you know, women, gender rolling, and all those kind of things. He talked about culture. He talked about all the things that went wrong with the church. And he gave him as a thesis or an epistle or a, 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 um, uh, a syllabus for him to be able to know what and what to correct. And that's why when you are reading the book of Timothy, I want you to pay attention to what you are reading because everything you are reading actually happened and they are all corrective measures as to how you should do what you should do, right? And that's why when Paul is talking here about money and what money is, we need to pay attention to it because the church at Ephesus at the time also had money, also had problems with how to manage money, use money, interact with money. They never had a good understanding with the interaction of money. And so this morning, this will be what I will just uh, uh, talk on. I will teach on this very quickly, very uh, uh, quickly, and then we'll go, and that will be our introduction or a prelude to what we're going to talk about next week. Now, look at what he said. First Timothy, uh, Second Timothy 6. First Timothy, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. First Timothy 6, verse 6 to 1. Look at what he said. My God, but godliness with contentment is great, great. Now, I want you to know that 
number six, yeah, this, uh, it started, this verse one from chapter six, verse one is where he started all the things about money. It was really important for him to communicate what to do to bring about correction in the way they observe money and look at it. And because, and this is really important, I want you to know, this is really important. Financial freedom does not start with how much you have. If you want to be free financially, it's not a question of how much you have or how much you spend. That's not what it has. That's not where it starts. Financial freedom starts before you have a buck in your pocket. If you don't, it's important you understand that. If you don't understand that financial freedom starts before you have money in your pocket, when you have the money, it will be difficult for you to actually do this and manage it well. We'll get to that before I finish. So look at what it said. It said, but godliness with contentment is great grain. Go ahead. Number seven, chapter, verse seven. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Okay? And having food and raiment, let us be content. The second word is in the word content there. All right? But they that will be rich fall into temptation and snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, that word, the love of money, just explains the previous verse. It is not saying that you should not be rich. It is not saying you should not have money. But it said that they that will be rich, if you so desire to be rich, if all that you're consumed with yes. is being rich, yes. and that is all that preoccupies your mind, you said you're setting yourself up for a trap. Yes. Sooner or later, you're going to fall into that trap. All right, let's go. For the love of money is the root of all evil, not money now, the love of money, which while some coveted, you see the word again, coveted, you see that again, coveted. They have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So if money is all that is, if, if you're all about money, everything is about money, you know what you're doing? You are like literally taking an arrow and piercing yourself through. All right, number 11. But thou, O man of God, like I told you, this episode was written to Timothy. It was not written for the church. However, every one of us is a man of God. And you do well to, to pay heed to this. We're all men and women of God. Let me be politically correct. I'm sorry. <laughs> but thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Why is Paul talking about money? And he's talking about faith, love, meekness, and all that good stuff. Why is he talking about that? Because when it comes to your relationship with money, there's a, there's a spiritual dimension to it. There's a spiritual dimension to it. That's why the Bible tells us that the only thing that really contends against God is money. You cannot serve God and mammon. When it comes to God and things of God, there's a tension between money and the love of God. There's a tension. And if you don't understand how to manage that tension, it will be difficult for you to manage your money and experience financial freedom. Amen. So, verse 17. Charge them that are rich in this world 
that they be not high-minded. So it just shows you that I was kind of correct when I said uh, those who are going to have money, Paul was not against people having money. Because right here he said it. Charge them that are rich in this world. Amen. That they be not high-minded. You see that again? Not trust in uncertain riches. Even though you are rich, don't trust in uncertain riches. Because all these things, they fade out. Even though riches are physical things, they have spiritual implications. But the living God, who giveth all things richly to enjoy. You see this now? That comes here. What it says, who gives you everything richly to enjoy. In other words, God wants you to give, God wants you to save, and God wants you to spend because he wants you, he gives you everything richly to enjoy. There's always a dimension to that. All right? We're going to get to that. In other words, what is Paul trying to tell us? What is Paul trying to tell us in all of this? What is he trying to tell us? What is the implication of what he's saying? Paul is telling us that as we attempt to, mag to maximize our attention on what we should need to do to be able to manage our money and land in financial freedom. These are the things that are primary to you, getting financial freedom. If you do this well, if this interacts very well, you are going to experience something called financial freedom, right? But Paul is saying this is primary. You agree? But there's a secondary thing that you should do that if you don't get right, even if you get this right, you can never experience financial freedom. Let me repeat that again. There are certain things that you should do if you don't get them right. Even if you get this right, you might not experience financial freedom. So what is Paul telling us here? The first observation when I do this, just summarize it because I don't have to mention too much time. The first observation that I'm making here is that Paul is telling us that we should be aware of the purpose of money. Money has a purpose. And as a Christian, you should know that there's a purpose for which God has enriched you. There's a purpose for which God has given you resources, has put, God, has put resources in your care. If you don't understand that purpose, it's going to be a problem. That's number one. That money is not about you being puffed up. Money is not to give you your personality, your, uh, your identity, your whatever it is that money gives you, right? Money should not be your confidence. It should, not be your, it should not be what you rely on. It should not be what you depend on. It should not be your ride or die, right? Money has a purpose. And like we have all said, if you don't understand, one of the primary reasons of money is that you should be able to do good works. God has created us for good works. And God gives us resources to be able to do good works at the end of the day. The second observation is that money is a tool. Money is a tool. If you want to build this house, an example, uh, money is going to be the tool that you're going to use to build this house and not this house itself. So money is a tool. It is not the main thing itself. But it can be a means to an end, which leads me to the third one, which is that money is a means to an end and not the end in itself. Money is a means to an end and not the end in itself. And some of the mistakes that we have made as Christians sometimes is that we have taught that money is an end in and of itself. But Paul is telling us that money is not an end in itself. It's a means to an end. 
So if I'm going to summarize everything that Paul said, let me summarize everything that Paul said. Let me just uh, uh, summarize it. And I'll summarize it. Can you give me 1 Corinthians 9.25? Paul is saying that we should master our money rather than our money mastering us. That's all that he said here, if you, if you compress it. That's all that he said. Amen. Master your money, not your money mastering you. If you don't master money, you don't have the skills to master money before you have all the money in the world, you are going to have a problem when you have that money. So he said, master the money. Look at, look, look at, uh, yeah, look at, look at verse 25 of what he said. And every man that strives for mastery, if you strive for mastery, what are we talking about? Master your money. That's what Paul is telling us. Paul is telling us that we should master our money. And this is where we're rounding up now. Master your money. He said, every man that striveth for mastery is temperate in all things. Woo! That's tough. Why am I talking about all these things? You thought I would be talking about investment and, you know, all this stuff and all of that. But I want to tell you that there's a foundation you have to lay first before you actually do a good financial management of your money. And you can get a good reward for that. So he said, every man that strives for mastery must be temperate in all things. Now, they do it for, to obtain a corruptible crown, but we are incorruptible. In other words, when we're looking at our money, our mindset as Christians is that our money does not just have effect here or not. It does, but it also has something about eternity to it. And before you are able to understand that, to be able to get to that place where you know that your money has eternal consequences, you have to be able to master your money. And how do you master your money? He said, just one word. You must be temperate in all things. Now, I, I think I, I, I wrote that, the meaning of that word. I'm not, very, I'm not a Greek specialist. I don't know. <laughs> but, but there's a word for it in, in, in the Greek. Um, uh, let me see. He calls it ekrationomai. Uh, I don't know if I got it right, but something like that. All right? That's what it means. That's what the word to be temperate means. All right? And now, and temperate translates into exercising self-control. Self-control. The biggest problem that we have, why we are not loving concerning our money, why we are not giving enough concerning our money, why we don't know what to do, why all these things, our money is overtaking us and our money becomes a master of us is that we don't have self-control. We don't have self-control. If you have self-control, self-control will help you to know that if I have to give, I'll give, right? And give rightly the way I should give. Self-control will tell you how to save, when to save, and what to save. And this one will also tell you what to spend. Even though God has given us all things richly to enjoy, right? We still have to have self-control in the way we do our things, in the way we use our money, or else the money takes control of us. Am I correct? Now, when we talk of self-control, I brought out three things from everything that Paul has said, and, and that I just want to run by us, and that will just be where, uh, as, as we do these three things, I will just see how we run the clock, okay? Now, if you have self-control, especially in the area of your finances, 
The first thing that will happen, or the first thing that you will notice, the first thing that happens to people who have self-control is that they know the purpose of whatever it is they are dealing with. Some people call it vision. Some people have, you know, call it vision. Some people call it uh, uh, purpose. Some people call it, I don't know, whatever name you want to give it, right? But I want to tell you, like Miles Moreau says, he said, where purpose is not defined, abuse is inevitable. A lot of times, because we don't have a purpose for our money, we don't understand the purpose for money, guess what? We just do whatever we like with it. And then we stop being stewards of God. Not knowing that God gave us that money for a purpose. God gave it to us to do good. But because we don't have a definition of what the money is, what, you know, why we have money, we run the danger of abusing the privilege that God has given us to be able to manage his resources. If you talk about purpose, let me do this. Uh, I'm not very good at drawing, okay? Uh, let, let me tell you one secret about me, right? I, I'm, a ve- I'm, a ve- I'm a visual learner, so I try to project it on you guys. <laughs> if, I don't, if I don't see something, I, I, it's difficult for me to understand. So a lot of times I, I, I do that. So this is uh, maybe like a four-way stop, all right? You want to go to, I don't know, Disney. Disney, right? You want, let's, let's say Disney. I, I mean, I don't know, any, anywhere. Just Disney. Let's put it for purposes of this. If you are going to Disney, this is let's do Mr. D, Disney. If you are going to Disney, your getting to Disney is not contingent of good intentions. You're getting to Disney is not because you have good intentions. It is not also a complete function of how good your car is. Driving events, navigation does not respect that. It is not a function of how fast you can go. You have driven a NASCAR before and all of that. And you think because you are fast, you can get to Disney. No, that's not the the function. What determines how you get to Disney is the path you are on. The path you are on, right? So if you are going, if, if Disney is this way, and you go this way, it doesn't matter if you're driving an 